gospel reading comes from the book of Mark. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a coat that has never been written. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found the coat tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the coat? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on them. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The word of God for the world. My roommate in seminary had a turtle named Bartimaeus. <laughs> Yeah. Now he wasn't blind, nor was he a follower of Christ that we know of. But for some reason, she had named him Bartimaeus. Now he did have some disabilities, at least in our culture. He was a rescue. He was slow. After all, he was a turtle. And he always stumbled into things. Maybe if he wasn't blind, you could at least say that he was visually impaired. He gave us many laughs, and we had many stories, laughing all the way. And we would continually joke about Bartimaeus, of course, in our seminary days. So I want you to hold on to this vision of Bartimaeus, the turtle, because he's going to come back in our story. But the context of today's gospel also involves Bartimaeus. Remember, interpreting scripture, it's really important to know the context, what comes before and what comes after. And, of course, we know that in Greek, when it's original language, there were these subdivided chapters. So getting into this text that Dean just read, you have the story of Bartimaeus. In fact, if you notice, if you look a little bit before the end of chapter 10, Apparently, Bartimaeus had the power to cause Jesus to stand still as he was crying out to him his true identity, son of David. Notice that what he does when he comes to Jesus, he throws off his cloak. Sounds familiar from what Dean just read. 
And after Jesus heals him, he regains his sight, the scripture says, and then he followed him on the way. Something even the disciples were unable to do. I want you to notice that language on the way because it comes right before this text. I'm fascinated by that language that this man who was blind, Bartimaeus, knew the way, the truth, the life, the Hosanna, that which saved him. And unlike the disciples, he is able to follow Jesus. He was able to follow on the way. And we know where the way led to. A cross. Where no other of the disciples could be found. Now blindness, as you know, was many times used in the gospel writers to ironize and contrast how these physically blind people had such spiritual insight and how dull the disciples were. This just happened in chapter 8 in Mark's gospel as well. Apparently, in Mark's gospel, as we know, the disciples seem to be the last to get it. Even in this text today, no, of the fest, no one from the festive throng we find or led all the way to the temple in verse 11. In fact, Charles Campbell, some of you may know him, he's a professor of homiletics at Columbia Theological in Decatur, Georgia. He said this whole Palm Sunday processional was one of the wildest and most politically explosive acts of Jesus' ministry. I would say it was because Jesus is subverting all the way through it. In a way, I think he's making it a caricature of the way that military power would process and ride into Jerusalem. Or I love what Campbell says. He, he calls it a, a carnivalesque spirit of street theater. But what Jesus is doing here has radical political implications. And whoever said Jesus wasn't political, well... We have to enter today's story and find out. In fact, the fact that Jesus invites people to worship him down this processional would be treasonous in their culture. The gospel writer includes in this text in extreme detail up to the part of Hosanna. So usually we like to talk about the Hosanna part. I want us to look at that detail piece beforehand because it is comical throughout. This is a day to laugh, and we need to laugh because Good Friday's coming. So I hope you will enter into some holy laughter with me today. The first part of Jesus' subversion is that he plans the whole thing down to the minutia. It wasn't like there just happened to be a cult down the street with people that didn't resist. It's almost like I can see Jesus saying, they're going to get a kick out of this one. I mean, why do we need the specific dialogue of Jesus telling the two disciples, which, by the way, 
If I were to cast them, I think they would be like Jack Black and Seth Rogen. <laughs> These two disciples, okay, Jack and Seth. Get the imagery going. Jesus tells them this is the exact location where to find the donkey. And it's never been ridden. And listen to what you should say when people ask, what are you going to do? Take this donkey, it's not yours. If we don't find comedy in this scene, I think we've missed something. Jesus riding an unbroken donkey. And oh, by the way, comedy. (laughs) This is not just... Thank you. (laughs) This is the day for it. Let me tell you, I love Mark's little idiosyncrasies. This is not just called a donkey. Did you hear what Dean said when he read it? A colt, a colt is a young, not fully grown donkey. This is a baby donkey that Jesus is riding on. And I love what Campbell says. He gives this great idea that maybe in this processional, Jesus riding on this donkey, this not full grown donkey, maybe his feet were even touching the ground. So you get the the imagery. Okay. So why do these details even matter? Well, let's keep looking. Let's go back to where Jesus is prompting them what to say and who will say what. I love the part again about if someone asks you why you're doing this, essentially tell them, oh, the Lord needs it. We'll bring it right back. I mean, can you imagine if we do that today? You know, I found the keys in the car. I'm going to take it for a spin. The Lord needs it. I'll bring it right back. (laughs) So, of course, they do find the colt tied near a door outside of the street, the text says. And how did they know it was the right donkey? I'm just saying. Was it marked like a good piece of luggage with a pink tie so they could easily identify it? I think it would have been funny if someone had jumped out of the alley of the street and said, no, not this one. You're looking for the next donkey. And what's even funnier is that when the bystanders indeed asking why they're untying the colt, they actually believe them and let them take it. And then comes the parade. Campbell has a great way of sharing how this is really a a parody of kingship. Reminding us, if we're not fresh out of our old prophets from the Hebrew scripture, that it was foretold that the Mount of Olives was the place that one would take the final ride for the final battle to take Jerusalem. But Instead of requesting provisions for a final military entrance and final battle, probably requesting weapons, backup, Jesus asked for one thing, a young donkey. And the irony is that Jesus, as he journeys into Jerusalem, everyone is doing what you think a military hero, you would do for a military hero. They're shouting. They're waving palm branches in John's gospel, it says. They're 
spreading cloaks on the ground. All of that to demonstrate that this is a hero, even, as we've said before, shouting Hosanna, meaning, save us. And apparently, like Bartimaeus, who said it as well, and this throng of people, we're still all calling out, save us. And poor Jesus, he gets to the end of the ticker tape parade, and as Kathleen said at Free For All, he enters the temple, looks around, and almost immediately leaves as if he knows God is not there. It's a very interesting inclusion in Mark's Gospel, verse 11. These religious folks don't get it. And she also said, notice that the crowd, apparently the festival procession, didn't go all the way to the temple. She said, yeah, we're behind you all the way, behind being the operative word, for they never got there. But Jesus' notion of power and authority is that he's not coming in as someone about to take Jerusalem as a military, in, by military violence, or as a military hero, for that matter. But how does Jesus choose to reign over his kingdom? By heading to a cross, by ultimate humility, vulnerability, and self-sacrifice. Emptying all the way. My favorite snack these days are these snack bars made by the brand Kind. Have you seen these? They're healthy, I think. <laughs> They're made up of a bunch of nuts. I, I would call them a granola bar, but they're no granola in them, or the ones I've had. They're nuts and berries, and yes, gotta have some chocolate in there. And the funny thing is, on the side of the box, if you look at any of the boxes, they have, this is their tagline. It's usually the nuts that change the world. <laughs> now, no disrespect to Jesus, but I do think this is exactly how Jesus is subverting all the way. <clears throat> Jesus is laughing all the way. Ha, ha, ha. Campbell one more time, for he says, Jesus here takes the role of a jester who enacts in a humorous, disorienting way a totally different understanding of rule and invites people to see and live in a world in a new way. The event takes on the air of a carnival. Think of a procession by a New Orleans jazz band where those on the bottom of society festively unmask and challenge the dominant social order. Maybe not nuts, but as Paul would say, choosing the foolish to shame the wise. I mean, Jesus comes to Jerusalem in this crazy ride on this ass, and we have to ask ourselves, if Jesus came to our town on a cult, would we be a follower? I think the answer is Let's just be honest, no. Can you imagine down Hendersonville, Main Street, 
we would say that dude is nuts. Unless we can become nuts too. Nuts enough to shed off our adult skin that gets us in the way of coming to Jesus again. Whereas Jesus points us to the way to come into the kingdom is like a child. We've got to become adult children. And the heroes in our Palm Sunday hymns, all of them, are the children. They're the ones that get it. Think about it. I'm inviting participation. What divides adults the most? For example, what are the two things you're not supposed to talk about at a dinner party? Politics and religion. Holly, the name. And what are the two things that get the folks in Mark's gospel most entangled? Politics and religion. Unless we point the finger on one political party or the other, the zealots and the Pharisees both get it wrong. But look at the children. When's the last time you found a young child saying they were a Democrat or Republican and getting into anger debates with other children about it? It's absurd. It's almost as silly as seeing Jesus riding a young donkey dragging his feet on the ground. Children don't care about the empire's allegiances. In their mind, they are citizens of the earth. And what about religion? When's the last time you saw two young children getting young children getting in a religious debate? Of course, as they get older, children and youth, they get savvy about these things. But just to mess with you a little bit, I would say young children aren't even Christians yet. Do they have a religious affiliation? Jesus, as Kathleen said, seems to go to the temple and be tired of religion too. He seems to prefer because who loves a carnival more than anybody else? Children. Yes, there's something to being an adult and being responsible citizens and having religious convictions. But what happens as we get older is we get attached to the power of these. And we've lost the true source of the Jesus who comes on the way to a cross. In many ways, this parade is a sad event. If you're one of the buffoon disciples who are still very blind in Mark's gospel, yes, it is only the blind in his gospel that see because they're not afforded the privilege of traditional science 
But Jesus, in this gospel, identifies with those without privilege. The children. They had seen Jesus heal, and he makes them laugh. And somehow they know inherently they can trust him. But do we? Let me go back to my story about Bartimaeus. So my roommate was cleaning the turtle terrarium. Is that the right word? Thank you, her. And so she had put him in a bowl, a bowl, <coughs> in the bathroom. And I'm assuming that she had shut the door that morning. But because we both shared this bathroom, apparently the bathroom door was left open at some point. Later, I had come home early from class, and Bartimaeus wasn't in the bowl. I was freaking out. I was looking everywhere. I was looking in the hall. I was looking in strange places that I knew a turtle couldn't crawl to. But you sort of lose it. You do become nuts. <coughs> and finally, I opened Amber's door, or it was cracked, but enough room, pushed it wide, and found Bartimaeus next to the terrarium. Somehow, unbelievably, though he was incredibly slow, clumsy, visually challenged, he had found his way back to his turtle home. Of course, he wasn't able to get in, but he was right there, ready for someone to put him back. Bartimaeus hadn't been trained or schooled on higher levels of thinking, but somehow he knew how to say Hosanna. He knew what would save him, where his home was. It was like our Bartimaeus in the gospel today. He knew the way. Even when the disciples who are still probably scratching their heads, wondering how Jesus arranged that whole donkey thing, instead of being enfolded by the love and compassion and glory that he was the son their savior both Bartimaeus's knew though what would save them do we or are we still worshiping our earthly empires caught up in the kingdoms of this world and the power structures it lives by. Are we so caught up in religious enigmas, debates, what separates us, instead of following the Christ who subverts all the way, and maybe gets us laughing, saying, silly, you made this too hard. Those children get it. 
scripture is in today's election, Philippians 2, that Jesus, not considering equality with God something to be grasped, emptied himself. Gave up everything. The blind have an advantage. Losing physical and material sight, they have developed, as Michelle said, the third eye. The way home to true relationship, true salvation through Jesus. So I'm going to leave you with a Lenny Kravitz quote. Are you going to go my way?